today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Does Jeremiah need to, does he think he needs to remind God? It's like God's going, oh, yeah, I forgot. That's right. I forgot about what I did in Egypt and all of that. No. You'll forgive the silliness with which I'm illustrating this, but it's not that God needs to be reminded of this. It's that Jeremiah needs to be reminded of this. You know, we've, we've heard it said, well, prayer changes things. But I think better said and understood, prayer changes the prayer. And that's what's happening here. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Jeremiah. Prayer changes those who pray. Pastor J.D. shares with you through today's message that prayer is incredibly powerful. It has the ability to change the hearts of those who pray and those who are prayed for. Don't undervalue the effectiveness of prayer. Jesus himself regularly took time away to pray. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah chapter 32 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Verse 9. So I bought the field from Hanamu, <laughs> the son of my uncle who was in Anathoth, and weighed out to him the money 17 shekels of silver. Now, I don't know what that would be worth in modern day terms, nor is it necessarily important, but interesting, 17 shekels. And verse 10, I signed the deed and sealed it, took witnesses, and weighed the money on the scales. Now, you would think that, oh, hey, let's just agree on a handshake, no need for title deed. It's not worth anything anyway. I don't know how they arrived at the 17 shekels of silver, but that's what we're told. So what's happening here? Well, first of all, Jeremiah is being obedient and faithful, but there's more to it than that. In effect, Jeremiah is putting his money where his mouth is. And I'll explain. He's practicing what he preached. What did he preach? Oh, he prophesied that God was going to bring the captives back to Judah and restore them, all the cities of Judah, including Anathoth. And so, Jeremiah, do you really believe what you're preaching? Do you really believe the prophecies you're prophesying? Because if you really believed it, you wouldn't have any problem buying this worthless piece of property that I can't get anybody to buy. And you shouldn't have any problem paying me 17 shekels of silver to buy it, because after all, it's going to be worth something one day, according to your prophecies, by the way. I mean, you don't see it now, but by faith, if God is true to His Word, and He is, 70 years, you all are coming back. And if that's true, then put your money where your mouth is. Put your faith where your mouth is. This, this is the faith that is defined in Hebrews as that which is hoped for, 
the evidence of that which is yet unseen. I don't see it, but by faith I believe it. This is faith, man. And he buys it. I almost, and you'll forgive me, I know that they have clinical terms for people who think like this, but I'm just kind of wondering if Hanamel is going, thank you God. I don't know if he's thanking God, but wow, he bought it. I can't believe it. Kind of like Swampland in, you know, he bought, I can't, he bought it. I couldn't get anybody to buy it. He bought it. We better ink this thing as quick as we can. Get him into the closing office before he changes his mind and has buyer's remorse. Well, that's what they do. Verse 11, So I took the purchase deed, both that which was sealed according to the law and custom, and that which was open. And I gave the purchase deed to Baruch, the son of Neriah, son of Messiah. By the way, archaeological digs have uncovered evidence of this transaction. See, they would put them in those earthen jars like were found in what we affectionately refer to as the Dead Sea Scrolls. For those of you that have been to Israel with us, when we go to Qumran, that's how they were preserved. We're going to see that here in a moment. So they've actually found the seals, the documents, the, the, the vessels that these kinds of title deeds were in. There was one seal I found, I didn't have enough time, but uh, very interesting, it actually had Baruch's name on it. Baruch, the son of Nara. I love it. You know what they do, by the way, this is uh, uh, just real quick, parenthetically, let me just share this with you. I love this about the Word of God. You know when archaeologists dig and they find something, how are they going to know what they found? Whoa, this looks like it's really ancient. It is. I wonder what it is. What have we just found? I don't know. Let's go to the Bible. And they go to the Bible to authenticate their archaeological find. And everything in the Bible can be archaeologically proven. Evidence. Unbelievable. Remember, yeah, I hate the clock. Accessory of Philippi, evidence all over the place that this actually happened. So, in the presence of the witnesses who signed the purchase deed before all the Jews who sat in the court of the prison. Okay, again, picture the scene here. You're still there with me, right? Okay. You got a lot of people here. And they're witnessing, eyewitnesses of this transaction, the acquisition of this property, the signing of the purchase deed, the sealing of it according to the law, and then the placing of it in the vessel. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but they're all there to witness it. Now why is this kind of a detail recorded for us? Because they're watching this from the sidelines, and they're saying to themselves, hmm, he's buying this Maybe he's right. Maybe what he's been saying and preaching and prophesying is right. He really believes that we're going to come back after the captivity. And they're witnesses of it. Oh, would to God that like Jeremiah, the world would be witness to our faith in the God of the impossible. Because you got to know they're watching this thing going, no way. 
Jeremiah's like, way, way, you're witness to it. Then verse 13, I charged Baruch before them, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, verse 14, the God of Israel, Take these deeds, both this purchase deed, which is sealed, and this deed which is open, and put them in an earthen vessel, that they may last many days. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, listen, houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. Now, verse 16, when I had delivered the purchase deed to Baruch, the son of Neriah, I prayed to the Lord, saying, verse 17, and oh, how I wish you could capture this in the English language, as faulty as it is. But I mean, it is a passionate, deep sigh. <gasps> Lord God, behold. In other words, <laughs> and I'm so glad, and to Jeremiah's credit, he's not doing this publicly. I mean, the, the deal's done. It's been signed, sealed, delivered. Baruch's got it. We've got witnesses. They're gone. Here's Jeremiah. Goes back to his prayer closet slash prison dungeon of a cell. God! <laughs> what? What? What just happened? Did this just happen? This makes absolutely no sense. Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. And here it is. There is nothing too hard for you. Translated, right? Because I just signed a deal here, 17 shekels. I just bought property that nobody wanted that's worth nothing by faith. And you promised and you had me prophesy that we're going to come back and re-inhabit after the captivity, these cities and these properties and this land. It doesn't seem like it's possible. I mean, from where I'm sitting, it looks like there's no way that's going to happen. But I know there's nothing too hard for you, right? Is he questioning? I think he is. I hope he is, because if he is, then he's in good company with the likes of, of all people, John the Baptist, who also is in prison. And he starts having doubts. So much so that he sends a message to Jesus asking him, you are the Messiah, right? Or is there another coming after you? What's my point? My point is this, the best of us can have sanctified doubts. I mean, before he's I'm sure with a sanctified strength, declaring and prophesying, we're going to come back. We're go I'll, I'll buy it. <laughs> this worthless piece of property that I believe by faith is going to be worth something someday because of the Word of God and the promise of God and the goodness of God and the covenant of God. But then doubt sets in. Okay, Lord, I did it. I was obedient to what you commanded me to do. 
The word came to me. My cousin came to me. Boy, I did not want to see him after getting that word. I was kind of hoping it wasn't you, but apparently it obviously was you. And I did it by faith. We're good, right? There's nothing too hard for you, right? And then he goes on. This is interesting, verse 18. You show loving kindness to thousands and repay the iniquity of the fathers into the bosom of their children after them. The great, the mighty God, whose name is the Lord of hosts. This is always a good way to start a prayer. Before you start asking, it's always good to start out this way, praising God, thanking God, acknowledging God, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Who is like unto you, O God? This is a great way to start a prayer, especially when you're in a situation like Jeremiah is here, when nothing makes sense and everything seems impossible. I mean, come on, can can we in all fairness to Jeremiah agree that this, by any stretch of the imagination, certainly in the natural, would seem impossible? Keep in mind now, we're we're still looking out the window, and what do we see out there outside the city wall? All the Babylonians. And they're they're not going anywhere. In fact, you better get used to it. They're going to be there for about a year, making sure that no food or supplies comes into the city. So he starts off this way in verse 19, You are great in counsel and mighty in work, for your eyes are open to all the ways of the sons of men, to give everyone according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. You have set signs and wonders in the land of Egypt to this day, and in Israel and among other men, and you have made yourself a name as it is this day. Now, I, I got to wonder, does Jeremiah need to does he think he needs to remind God? It's like God's going, oh yeah, I forgot. That's right. I forgot about what I did in Egypt and all of that. No, you'll forgive the silliness with which I'm illustrating this, but it's not that God needs to be reminded of this. It's that Jeremiah needs to be reminded of this. You know, we've, we've heard it said, well, prayer changes things. But I think better said and understood, prayer changes the prayer. And that's what's happening here. Verse 21, you have brought your people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs and wonders, with a strong hand and an outstretched arm and with great terror. You have given them this land of which you swore to their fathers to give them, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they came in and took possession of it, but they have not obeyed your voice or walked in your law. They have done nothing of all that you commanded them to do. Therefore you have caused all this calamity to come upon them. Look, the siege mounds. They have come to the city to take it, and the city has been given into the hand of the Chaldeans who fight against it because of the sword and famine and pestilence. What you have spoken has happened. There, you see it? Look out the window. There they are. Look at the siege. Look at the mounds. Look at the Chaldeans. It's exactly as you said, and it's exactly as you had me prophesy. It came to pass exactly as you spoke it. 
And you have said to me, O Lord God, buy the field for money and take witnesses. Yet the city has been given into the hand of the Chaldeans. Did you catch that? You see what just happened here? He's going on and on and on. Oh God, there's nothing too hard for you. I mean, if you could get the Israelites out of the land of Egypt to perform all these signs and wonders, I mean, God, you could do anything, but what in the world are you doing having me buy real estate right now? I don't understand. You know what's striking to me and very encouraging to me is that God gives Jeremiah this uninterrupted prayer time to ask him this white question. Oh, that really encourages me. And I'm sure it does you too. God is just listening to Jeremiah. and He's very gracious. He's very gentle. He's very long-suffering. You know what long-suffering is? It means you suffer long so long suffering. I mean, here's God just going, oh, Jeremiah, man, if you only knew what I'm going to do, you wouldn't be asking me why. You'd be thanking me for this great investment, by the way. (laughs) You'll see. Just wait. You'll see. Let's talk about Jeremiah, because this is okay, you know. John the Baptist, it's okay, you know. And the many like them, it's okay, you know. What's okay? When you don't understand, you go to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't see it. And everything within my human nature wants to walk by sight, not by faith. Walking by sight is the antithesis of faith, because I want to see it. I just don't see this. I, I, don't, I don't see I don't see this at all. I, I, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why you're doing it. And it's like God saying, that's okay. I know you don't know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. Oh, oh, wait, I know Jeremiah slash JD. I'll take one for the team, use myself as an example. You're more spiritual than I am. See, I want to know why. I don't have to walk by faith then. I mean, I see, oh, no problem. Yeah, God's got this. But what about those times when you're looking at this thing going, no way. (laughs) That's called faith. That's called faith. And without faith it is impossible to please God, which means that when we have faith, God is very pleased. Are you going to trust me or not? I mean, you just got done telling me, is there anything too hard for you, Lord? There's nothing too hard for you, Lord. You didn't even ask me. You just told me. There's nothing too hard for you, Lord. You acknowledge it. There's nothing too hard for you, Lord. Hang on to that, because that's going to come up here now. Verse 26, the Lord's response. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, saying, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Uh Uh-oh. Ah, don't don't think of this in a bad way. I mean, God's not being mean here. But notice that he frames it in a question. See, Jeremiah didn't frame it in a question. He just said, there's nothing too hard for you, Lord. Right? And then here's the question back from the Lord. 
Is there anything too hard for me, Jeremiah? Is there anything too hard for me, J.D.? You can put your name in there if you want. Don't look at me all spiritual like that. Is there? (laughs) Again, I have to confess that the Lord's response to Jeremiah is one that I've been on the receiving end of many times. Here's what's happening here. It's like God is asking if I really believe in what I just prayed. Because I just got done praying, God, there's nothing too hard for you. And he's asking me, do you really believe that? Well, God, this, this situation is impossible. I just don't see any way. Because after all, seeing is believing, right? That's the problem. Jesus said, it's believing is seeing. Believe and you will see. But we don't like that. We want to see, and then we'll believe. There's no problem there. That's an easy do. I can get there very easily, because I see. Oh, I believe now, because seeing is believing. And faith says, no, believing is seeing. You believe, and then you'll see. And that goes against everything within us. We chafe at that, especially when the situation is so impossible. See, I think it's a control thing, and it's a pride thing, of course, right? Because see, we want to be in control, and we don't like that feeling of being out of control. Well, God's in control. And it's like we're saying, God, I just want to control the situation. Oh, you do, do you? I'm God. Oh, we sing it, we say it. God is in control. Do you really believe that? God, I know you're in control. Do you believe that I'm really in control? Because you're sure not acting like it right now. Do you really believe... Because if you really believe, then you will see what I'm going to do. Yeah, but Lord, this situation is financially impossible. Oh, it's too hard for me then? Oh, this is so bad, even God can't fix it. Wow. Hmm. Oh, wait, it's impossible for you, right? Yeah, it's impossible. Good. In fact, truth be made known, I actually choreographed the steps and orchestrated the circumstances so it would be impossible. Because see, as long as it's still possible for you, it's impossible for me. Because see, if it's still possible for you, then you're going to try to do it in the energy of your own strength. Because you're in control after all. And when you finally come to that place where you throw up your hands, go, God, this is impossible. It's like God saying, it's about time. Watch me now. It's impossible for you, but I'm the God of the impossible because you just said it. There's nothing too hard for me. There's nothing that's impossible for me. Well, verse 28, therefore thus says the Lord, behold, I will give this city into the hand of the Chaldeans, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he shall take it. And Verse 29, the Chaldeans who fight against this city shall come and set fire to this city and burn it with the houses on whose roofs they have offered incense to Baal 
and poured out drink offerings to the other gods to provoke me to anger, because the children of Israel and the children of Judah have done only evil before me from their youth. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. If you're enjoying these teachings in the book of Jeremiah, we encourage you to continue following through this series with us and to read on your own, too. God may reveal some things to you that you'll find interesting. In Spirit and Truth is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of In Spirit and Truth, go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're at our website, feel free to check out additional teachings from Pastor J.D. He also gives prophecy updates weekly that touch on the things happening right now. If you're ever in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you come join us. Come visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D., You can find service times and directions on our website. Once again, that's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. If you'd like to access any of these things on our mobile app, you can do that too. Go to the Resources tab on our website. You can download from there. That's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Thanks for listening today to this teaching in the book of Jeremiah. We hope you'll join us for our next edition of In Spirit and Truth, where Pastor J.D. has much to share with you about what God's been putting on his heart. But until then, be thinking about what you heard today, what it meant for the people then, and what it means for you today in the here and now. Come learn what's coming up next here on In Spirit and Truth. To be true, to be true.